Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of The Drop. Greg Wyshynski, Ardo Cal. We're here every Tuesday and Friday, wherever you get your audio podcasts as well. The NHL on ESPN YouTube. We begin with the news of London, Ontario. The uh, World Junior Hockey Championship 2018 Hockey Canada sexual assault scandal. Five NHL players, current and former, turned themselves into police. A press conference has occurred uh, with the London Police Department. Before we get to the coverage from our colleague Kristen Shilton Wish, uh, who is covering this story in London, let's talk about the NHL and their response through All-Star Week as this question was asked to Commissioner Gary Bettman. Uh, they conducted an, uh, a separate investigation of this matter. How did you feel about how this was handled? Well, I mean, it was a bit of whiplash, right? When uh, Bettman held his ca- uh, press conference at the All-Star Game where they start with all this news about the Olympics and international tournaments. And then, you know, about 20 minutes later, we're talking about one of the more uh, just abhorrent stories that we've had in hockey in a very long time with the Hockey Canada scandal. Um you know, I, I think it was what we expected from the NHL. Uh, they've d- conducted their own investigation, like you said, did not talk to the alleged victim. She re- declined to participate in the investigation, which, of course, is her right. Um, and, and not releasing anything about that investigation until the London police legal proceedings and all that gets through. Uh, they didn't want to. In- they've long said they don't want to interfere with that process. And I think this is kind of keeping with it. Um I think we were all very curious about what the NHL would do vis-a-vis these players. It's the first time we've heard from them since the players were charged. And as far as termination of their contracts, I mean, Gary Bettman said there are like steps that need to happen in order for that to happen. And and a lot of it has to do with finding fault. And it's difficult to do that during an ongoing uh, you know, legal investigation. So basically, they're saying that they can't take any punishment without knowing how the legal proceedings play out. Please recall few years ago when Los Angeles Kings defenseman Slava Voinov was suspended for an entire season by the NHL. That was after he pled no contest to uh, uh, domestic violence charges in, in the court. So, you know, after the legal thing was done, the NHL took action. Uh, so if nothing, I think they're going to kick it to the teams. You know, these players have all left their teams, both the NHL and the NHLPA. Don't expect them to play again this season. They're all free agents after the season. So if there's anything as far as like docking pay or anything, it might happen from a team perspective. But I don't think that's going to occur. Um, I think we're all kind of figuring out when we're going to hear from the NHL with regard to releasing something about these findings that they had in their investigation. It's probably not going to happen until the leading proceeding, the legal proceedings are done. Uh, and after that, we might learn what they've learned. And after that, uh, you know, the NHL has said they will respond appropriately to whatever is uh, comes out during these trials. So I guess we're all you know, playing a waiting game to see if there's going to be anything punitive from the league with regard to these players. Joining us now on the drop, Kristen Shilton. Uh, Kristen, our good colleague from ESPN.com. You were there at the London Police Press Conference. What was your biggest takeaway from what we heard on Monday? Well, I guess it was frustrating in a way that there weren't more answers. I think that was probably my biggest takeaway is I think we all sort of expected that there would be some kind of light shed on why there was an investigation open in 2018 that closed in 2019, and then it was subsequently reopened in 2022. And we didn't get a lot of clarity on why that is, because as the detective chief said today, uh, when he spoke, the reason for that lag time is part of the proceeding. So what's happening right now in the court system, um, they're not going to you know, give us a lot 
just based on that, that this is still very much an ongoing investigation. It is one investigation, as was made clear to us, not two. But we did get the clarity in terms of the players. So we know that it is one count of sexual assault against Carter Hart, against Dylan Dubé, against Cal Foote, and against Alex Formington. But it's two counts against Michael McLeod, one pertaining to his own behavior and one to his behavior involving someone else in this case. So at least we do have that. And we know that there are not pending charges against any other players, despite in the victim's uh, original claim, she had mentioned eight players, or she had referenced eight players. They said that they only had reasonable grounds to bring charges against five. So that's kind of in, in that some bolts perspective, what we kind of have nailed down here today. But, you know, it's obviously, Greg, as you know, there's, so much more implication in terms of hockey and culture and um, from the, uh, you know, the site of victims, it took six years to get here. And the detective chief apologized for that, that it took six years to bring charges in this case when she was cooperative the entire time. So there's, it's, there's a bigger social context to it, but in terms of actual hard news, that's kind of what we take away from today. You know, I was going to ask you about that. I mean, from the outside looking in, it, it seemed like the the vibe was very much, uh, kind of combative against the police on this one as far as them dropping the ball in the investigation and then not really having, like you said, any answers as to why that was. Was was the vibe much more about, less about the, the let's say, the, the situation at hand with the players than it was simply, you know, trying to figure out the police angle and, and why they were neglectful and bringing charges the first time? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the chief was very clear. He's like, I don't know anything about hockey. This is not about hockey. And for them, it's not right. Like it, And for this community, it's really not as well. I mean, it was uh, partly the community pushing back in 2022 and helping the police with this uncovering of new evidence. Now, that's another thing. Was this evidence available to the investigators in, in, 20, uh, in 2018? As opposed to, or was this newly discovered? We don't know. They wouldn't say. So that's something as well. But um, just in terms of, I think the community is questioning, why did it take so long? Why was this case that opened essentially in June of 2018 closed so swiftly in February of 2019? But then they reopened this in 2022. And here we are in 2024, just getting to the charges. Why did this take so long? What does it say? Um, really just just about the London Police Department even being able to handle a case like this. And the chief was asked, why is this not being turned over to another police department that could handle it better than obviously whomever did uh, in, uh, in 2018? But it is worth knowing that it was a different chief then. Steve Williams uh, was, was the guy then handling this investigation. There's a new person obviously now in charge. So but at the same time, it's it's still a collective group, right? Like it's right. still, it does fall at their feet that whatever fell through the cracks at the time that's been recently found, discovered, whatever you want to call it, um, if it was available to those investigators in 2018 and just wasn't pursued, it just looks a terrible on them but then also what does it say to victims that are their claims being investigated seriously are they being looked at thoroughly and that just brings up a lot more questions about uh i think this the police services due diligence at the time and then obviously how it's translated into this new uh phase of the investigation being started 
Right. Did they say anything about preferential treatment for them being junior hockey champions and NHL players? In other words, some people wondering about the the length of time, for example, they had before they they were they had to turn themselves in. I mean, absolutely. That question was asked, and it had to be because you're looking at you know, quote unquote, celebrities in that were in town being feted at a banquet. I mean, yeah. that's what they were doing here. Was that you know they were obviously uh, at the center of they were the centers of attention. And there were a lot of people paying a lot of money at the event uh, right before the alleged assault occurred to see these players. And, of course, the police denied that there was any kind of preferential treatment there and that it had nothing to do with their status or anything like that. Uh, but, it, you know, it's if you read between the lines, I mean, the fact that there wasn't any, you know, revelation made by the chief in terms of why the um, discrepancy in time is existing because it is part of the proceedings. I mean, what does that mean? We might not find out because I mean, this case has been adjourned now until April the 30th. So we won't, you know, this could take years. We have no idea when we're going to get more of this information. So right now, I mean, of course, they're going to deny that the players got any sort of, um, you know, special treatment. But I guess we won't know entirely until everything uh, is finally made public at whatever point this case comes to a close. You and I were both in Toronto for the All-Star Game. We heard the Gary Bettman, Bill Daly press conference regarding the Hockey Canada investigation. Obviously, the NHL has done their own investigation. They're not going to release any results until the legal proceedings are done. Uh what was said by the London police with regards to the NHL investigation and all of this? Well, uh, it was Sergeant uh, Detective Dan who uh, said that she has not heard from the NHL in all oh. of this. So oh. if she, you know, she said that, that it's been several months, she was not part of the original uh, investigative team in 2018. She came on after that. So this was kind of her first Uh, opening of the inquiry, but it didn't seem like the NHL had been in any kind of contact at this point with the police. And now we both heard um, Gary Bettman say that they, the NHL had spoken to every player on that team, but they didn't ever speak to the victim was within her rights, obviously not to, uh, you know, not to speak with them, but in terms of the NHL investigation, I mean, Greg, they said they're not going to release their findings until the criminal proceedings are done too it almost feels like everyone's just kind of like waiting like everyone just kind of forget that this is going on and we'll see when you know when the ontario court system which is backlogged like it seemingly every court system gets to this particular case but uh what it means for those five players in terms of their careers i suppose or in terms like we know they've been released we know they're not being held uh at this point so do they return to their teams? Do they, you know, they're all going to be free. The four in the NHL will be free agents uh, in the summer. So what does it mean for them? I guess we'll find out from the NHL. It doesn't seem like the police obviously are going to have anything to say on that front. So uh, I I think everything is just kind of at a standstill now until the case uh, picks up again in April. But I, we know that criminal proceedings don't happen quickly and no one can attest to that better right now than the alleged victim who's waited six years for today to finally uh, to come. And her lawyer released a statement as well, just saying, you know, that she's pleased that this is finally moving forward. 
That's great. Hey, for those interested in the case, Kristen had a great episode of ESPN Daily that you should check out that really spells out the timeline of this thing. And she also has a timeline, in fact, on ESPN.com that covers all the details of this thing. Kristen, thank you so much for joining us from London. Uh, appreciate your reporting on this and we'll uh, keep on it. Yes, thank you so much for having me, guys. Well, the Hockey Canada news almost overshadowed what was a successful all-star weekend for the National Hockey League in Toronto, most specifically for Connor McDavid, who uh, won the skills competition that he helped the league redesign. I caught up with McDavid recently as he signed on as the face of sports drink body armor in Canada, and we talked about the Oilers' incredible winning streak and a lot of other topics, including his upcoming wedding this summer. Here's Connor McDavid. All right, Connor McDavid, tell me how this partnership between you and body, body armor came about. Yeah, um, you know, I've been with BioSteel for a really long time previous to, to Body Armor. Um, you know, and obviously that that uh, that brand is 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 no longer and I'm obviously looking for the next best thing, um one that checks all the boxes for me. Um and I think all my partnerships are are very um are very natural. Um, you know, and I think it's CIBC, you know, you know, I've been banking with them forever. Um CCM is you know, skates I've been using um since I was a kid, so um, you know, first and foremost, fell in love with the product, um, you know, when I started trying it and, um, the fact that they're trying to bring it to Canada and they are bringing it to Canada, um, you know, kind of only adds the, to the excitement. Obviously I'm a super proud Canadian and want, uh, what's best, uh, in Canada. And, you know, I think body armor, body armor is that and excited to be part of that process, um, and helping bring it to Canada. Cool. You've been in the league since 2015. I was curious. I know Body Armor has got this whole, you know, very all natural product kind of thing going on for it. How has nutrition changed in your time in the NHL? Has it has it changed significantly, or was it already in a kind of a a different place when you came into the league? Yeah, you said I'd, I've been in the league since I was since 2015. I started training with Gary Roberts in 2012, so yeah. I had already, I had already about three years of. Of, of of working with Gary and his team there, and and um, you know you know how strong how strong and, and passionate they are about um, about nutrition and everything like that. So I had already got a good uh, a good dose of that before coming to the NHL, and and um, you know so I, I knew it was super important, and um, you know and that's why I think the 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 partnership with with Body Armor um, is uh, is one that fits. Um, you know, obviously they're super passionate about uh, about their product and. You know, using only real ingredients and and real flavors and and all that and and um, you know, and I think that's all uh, that's all stuff that uh, is important to me as well. You survived training with Gary Roberts. I think is probably the uh, better better <laughs> phrase to use. <laughs> well, I've been I've been with him since, like you said, since 2012, and and still train with them to this day. So yeah, um, yeah, they're they're great over there. They're great. They are great. Uh, let's talk a little all-star. Um, I was wondering how much did you enjoy helping to revamp the skills competition, knowing that the all-star game was going to be in Toronto knowing that, you know, obviously you're helping to put on a really good show for like the people in your community, basically. Yeah. Well, I think, I think after last year, um, everyone maybe knew there needed to be, um, a change, um, just it got a little bit out of hand, I thought, and on some of the some of the gimmicky things, and and uh, we're we're missing kind of the the essence of of what an all star game is, and that's to that's to showcase the talent of of the athletes, the hockey players, and 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 the skills that that we have because they are unique, um, you know. So I'm excited that uh, you're going to see some more um, more, I'll say, normal events, um, you know, which is. Uh, 
something that I think players are excited about and having 12 of the best players in the world go at it for, for one kind of crown, um, I think is, is exciting. Um, it's a, a unique opportunity and, and, uh, something that I hope the fans enjoy. Plus you saved a bunch of NHL players from having to go into a dunk tank in Toronto in January, which I think is pretty, pretty <laughs> yeah, noble yeah. of you. <laughs> yeah. It's not easy to, not easy to dunk someone when, when it's, when it's iced over. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, It'll be it'll be a fun event. I'm looking forward to it. Sweet. Have you and Leon talked about your draft strategy yet? We haven't. I'm hoping that Will Arnett knows hockey. Uh, I think we'll <laughs> hand over the, the the draft card to him and we'll let him do his thing. But uh, no, we haven't come up with a strategy yet. That's sweet. That's sweet. I mean, you know, it's a good GM audition for a guy who played <laughs> Batman. Uh, <laughs> as we speak, the Oilers are on a massive winning streak. Um, is there some level of satisfaction for you? improving some of the people wrong that may have you know called you guys overrated or said you know hey look these are the real oilers when things are going down like do you take any satisfaction and kind of let's just say reclaiming the uh the 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 expectations and the and uh the you know how good the oilers are yeah i think when you're last place in nhl six weeks in uh people call you everything under the sun so um it's um it's rewarding for our group that, you know, we've stuck together um, and we've kind of dug ourselves out of that. Um, I think our group has oddly gotten comfortable doing that. You know, I think back in the past two seasons, we've kind of had those stretches. I think back to the 21-22 season, you know, we can't win a game for six weeks and, you know, ultimately bring in Woody and go on a great run and, and, and make, you know, make some noise in the playoffs. And, you know, we were kind of a bubble playoff team last year until we traded for Ekholm and go on this amazing run and and uh, and again um, made a little bit of noise in the playoffs. So we're ultimately a little bit used to uh, used to some of that noise, that uh, that negativity that that comes from from the media sometimes. But you know, like I said, we stuck together in there. We have stuck together in there through it all, and um, feels good to uh, just to be in a position, be back in the mix of things. Um, coming down here in the in the second half yeah when Woody was fired you said a good man lost his job and I was wondering like you can never know when these streaks are going to happen you never know why they don't happen for certain coaches with the benefit of hindsight do you think this could have happened under Jay or did you think that maybe there needed to have to be a change at that point in the season for you guys to get to this point uh, that's a great question um I think that there was a lot of um a lot of things that were going on when we had Jay that were, you know, I always say you can feel when things are starting to turn and, and we could feel that things were, were turning and our game was getting there. Um, yeah. Woody, Woody was missing, you know, I wasn't playing very well. Um, so when his, your best player is not playing very well, um, you're going to struggle. Our goaltending wasn't great. The penalty kill was struggling. Um, we couldn't keep pucks out of our net. Um, that's not a lot of things to do with, with the coaching staff. So, um, we felt that things were going to turn, um, you know, and ultimately they have, um, it's too bad that, that Woody lost his job because we all really did, um, care for him and, um, you know, he's a great person and a great coach and, and he'll land on his feet somewhere for sure in the NHL. And, um, but well, with all that being said, I think Chris has come in and done an amazing job. Um, he's really done amazing work he's got a great hockey mind um he's super smart um he definitely is is different than than the coaches i've had in, in years past you know he's not uh 
maybe your um, typical hockey guy. He's not old school or anything like that. So he's uh, he's definitely a, a, a fresh voice. And um, like I said, he's got a great hockey mind and he's done 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 really good work. Cool. Uh, I always like when you talk about the league. I think you got one of the more interesting minds when it comes to the direction of the NHL, both on the ice, off the ice. Earlier this month or uh, early January, you talked about that offside review that happened with you guys and uh, how long it took and everything like that. And it became kind of a big story around the league. And I was wondering, you said that the guys just want clarity on the rules. And one of the things that I think would give it clarity is if we just got rid of offside in the video review process, we just didn't make it reviewable anymore. <laughs> do you think of, I mean, do, do, would you agree with that? Or do you, do you like the idea of it still being reviewable and we just have to kind of tweak the way we do it? Well, something that maybe is interesting is, is putting a, a time limit on the, on the, on the review. You know, mm -hmm. if you can't tell it's offside within a minute, it probably doesn't really matter. Um, or 30 seconds or whatever, you know, um, when we're zooming in and and zooming in and you zoom in until I said this before you zoom in until you can't zoom in any longer it's uh it's probably not a huge deal um what's actually funny about that is uh the next night I scored that goal in Detroit and we got back to the bench and we're like we don't even know if it's offside or not so like they were they were trying to challenge they didn't know what the rule was it was just it was very very funny so ultimately they didn't even challenge but um, you know, it's kind of funny how, you know, I made those comments and the next night it was, uh, it actually went in our favor. So we'll, uh, we'll take that, but, um, yeah, you put it out in the world and then, and then it, you know, <laughs> then it, you benefited from it. Yeah. Um, yeah. speaking of rules and, and clocks, in fact, I covered the GM meetings, uh, recently and they talked about some maybe changes to the three on three overtime and trying to discourage teams from slowing down the pace. Obviously the Oilers with you have been a, a very exciting three on three team through the years. You probably heard about it. What did you think about them trying to try to tweak the overtime rules a little bit? Yeah, I, I like it. Um, again, within reason, I just, I don't want it to be too gimmicky or anything like that or, or hard to understand for fans or for players. Um, you know, but if there's something that's clear and, and obvious and that makes sense um, to everybody, I think, you know, to anything to improve the game is 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 a great thing. And um, I'm all for uh, I'm all for improving overtime. And um, if that's a clock, great. If not, then, you know, um, it is what it is. Cool. Two more for you. Uh, who's your favorite current non-hockey athlete to watch? My favorite current non-hockey athlete. I'm going to go with. A fellow body armor guy and Christian McCaffrey right now <laughs> over the Super Bowl. Um, the guy's on fire. He's had an absolutely amazing year. Um, I was watching the game last night and and uh, he scored a touchdown. And the announcer said, "Death taxes and Christian McCaffrey scoring a touchdown are, are the only guarantees." And um, that's what it feels like right now with him. He's uh, he's unstoppable. It's kind of weird hearing Connor McDavid talk about another athlete's inevitability. I mean that's like that's like what we talk about with you all the time, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean some some years, yeah, yeah, some years, right? McCaffrey is so interesting because I think you know watching that game too, they almost talked about him in that Barry Sanders way, and I never really thought about it that way, where he goes like two yards, two yards, three yards, sixty yards, and like it doesn't <laughs> matter. They're not looking for him to run ten yards a clip, but they know eventually he's going to get his. Yeah, I mean that's what it feels like. Honestly, you give him the ball enough times, he's gonna. He's going to break it loose. Um, yeah, he's just been amazing. Like it's uh, it's been fun to watch. Cool. Finally, 
you're a very busy guy. You got the hockey Oilers thing. You got being Connor McDavid thing. You got the promotional thing and the endorsement thing. The people want to know, what is your role in wedding planning ahead of your nuptials <laughs> in July? What is, what is Connor McDavid responsible for in setting this thing up? Connor McDavid is responsible for getting his guys dressed and down the aisle. That is all. Um, <laughs> we uh, took care of that this morning. Had a, had a, had a, had a call this morning with, uh, with the guys that will be dressing us up. So my job is done. Um, and uh, now I just got to worry about getting them down. So no cake tasting, no, no DJ playlist. Just show up <laughs> and make sure everybody looks good. That's my, yeah, that's, that's pretty much all I've been assigned, which is, uh, which is good. It's a good place to be. <laughs> all right, Connor, you're the best. I always love talking to you, man. And, uh, and uh, good, have fun this weekend, okay? Yeah, I appreciate that. Thanks. Thanks to Connor McDavid for joining us here on the show. You are listening to The Drop, a.k.a. the Tortured Hockey Fan Department. Uh, <laughs> you can listen to us every Tuesday and Friday, wherever you get your audio podcasts, as well as the NHL and ESPN YouTube speech. Speaking of Tortured Hockey fandoms, wish uh let's look at the second half of the season let's give our predictions in the east and the west which teams will fall out which teams will get in uh it's gonna be a wild ride honestly no pun intended there especially in the wild card races in the east and the west but taking a look at the eastern conference right now in the wild card you have the red wings and the leafs deadlocked at 58 points um as of monday and the Islanders, Penguins, Devils, and Capitals, uh, six points out, but all trying to stay in the race. So which bubble team do you believe will make the playoffs in the East, Wish? All right. Give me the Devs. Got the puck behind me over here. Look, I know it's a homer pick, but Jack Hughes coming back to that lineup transforms the Devils. It makes them reset their whole lineup. They're going to be so much better offensively with him back. They, you know, he is the engine that drives everything for them. They're going to have to figure out the goaltending thing if it doesn't shore up, and they do have the cap space to do so. They have a 26.5% chance of making the playoffs based on Stathletes. You have to remember, you, you talked about the wildcard teams. The Philadelphia Flyers stumbled into the break, as we'll talk about in a second, which could open up one of those spots in the Metropolitan Division. So I'm going to take the Devils to rally for a playoff spot uh, where a lot of people thought they'd end up this season anyway. Well, I and I mentioned the point totals for the Leafs and the Wings who are in the wildcard position. The Flyers, third place in the Metro at 56 points. The Islanders and Devils, 52 and 51. So that's actually a, a closer gap to get to third in the Metro as opposed to the wild card. What about the Flyers? Are they in or out? They're out. I mean, look, they were trending down beginning before the All-Star break. They had lost five in a row. Obviously, the Carter Hart situation, which we don't want to talk about in hockey terms, but have to acknowledge, does impact this team. He's one of their starting goaltenders. So, um, you know, the, they, they were punching, punching above their weight regardless of the season, Arda, all, you know, for most of the year. Obviously, John Tortorella is going to keep this team competitive and keep him them in a playoff race. Um, but they have a less than 50% chance of making the playoffs right now. And given how many teams that are Metro Division teams are chasing that spot, the Devils, the Penguins, the Islanders, uh, I, I, I just don't imagine the Flyers are going to be able to maintain a playoff spot uh, for the rest of the season. And, and listen, we didn't expect them to anyway. They've been one of the more pleasant surprises in the first half. But in the second half, I think they will probably concede that top three Metro spot to one of those three teams. I hope you're wrong because I want maximum chaos in the playoffs. I'd love nothing more than to uh, hear what Torts has to say throughout the postseason. The Western Conference playoff picture, I'm saying the Kings are staying in. 
They oh. are currently in a wild card spot, 56 points. The Blues and Preds, 54 hot on their heels. This wild card race will probably go down to the very last day of the season. But to me, you change the coach. You're looking to make improvements. Players always feel like they got to step up for the new uh, bench boss in the room. That might be the jolt that the Kings need. We're not that far off from the team that everyone was claiming to be cup contenders based on the start that they had and the best forward depth in the league these were conversations that we weren't having that long ago but now since they're stumbling people are asking those questions but to me the right changes are being made maybe they add a piece or two at the trade deadline and all of a sudden they're a contending team again what do you think I, I think that's true and you know the teams that are behind them in the standings right now it's just like from week to week you never know what the hell they are like the blues look like they were dead to rights then they come back and rally before the all-star break the predators week to week look like a different team offensively I, I can't depend on the Kraken to to really be a consistent team down the stretch and you know then there's the coyotes that as soon as they get out of mullet arena they fall apart so uh, if you're telling me which team, if you're asking me which team do I have the most faith in to make the playoffs, it's probably still the Kings. Uh, and then, by the way, Arda, if they do finish in the wild card, they probably avoid the Edmonton Oilers in the first round. So maybe, maybe just don't yeah. try too hard, right? But try hard enough to make the playoffs. Yes, so that you can avoid that team that <laughs> continuously has defeated you uh, in recent memory in the postseason. Speaking of the St. Louis Blues, Doug Armstrong. Uh, recently did an interview and he was asked, listen, if things stay the same, uh, what will you be at the trade deadline? Will you be buyers? Will you be sellers? And his response essentially was, we're going to stay neutral. Uh, to me, if that is the case, uh, you know, they accept calls, whatever. But if they remain neutral, that's the team based on all the other teams that are circling around them that I would say that's the team I'm picking to drop out. They're currently at 54 points. They're tied with the Predators. The Predators uh, lose out on the tie break currently, but that's the team I'm saying. What about you? Yeah, I, I don't think the Blues are going to be a playoff team either. Um, I, when I look at that gaggle of teams that are behind the Kings, that last wildcard spot, I'm still saying the Nashville Predators. I picked them to make the playoffs before the season. I just think their goaltending at the end of the day is stronger than anybody else around the bubble. And I also think that offensively, if they can find that extra gear that they had earlier this season under new coach Andrew Burnett, maybe add a piece if Barry Trotz believes in this team uh, around the deadline, then they'll they'll find a way to sneak in be probably a sacrificial lamb wherever they play in the first <laughs> round, but sneak in nonetheless. By the way, if you want our thoughts on the Todd McClellan coaching change, Sean Monahan trade, that was our previous podcast. It was a live show right after the All-Star game. Yeah. That is in our archives right now, so you can have a listen. Uh, that was a special Saturday live show. Shout out to our crew. That was uh, a great production. So the reason I bring that up is because now let's talk about more trades. We're approaching the trade deadline. Uh, you mentioned we might get tumbleweeds at the trade deadline on our last show because of the names that have already moved. But give me a name, Wish, that you believe is a lock, a guarantee to be moved at the trade deadline. Well, that's just the thing. Like, like we want there to be action. Um, there could be a Jake Gensel trade. There could be a Marc-Andre Fleury trade. Who knows what could happen? But those are maybes. You want to guarantee, I guarantee you Chris Tanev's getting traded from the Calgary Flames, okay? Like, the Flames are clearly in a selling mood. Uh, they shipped out Elias Lindholm, obviously, to the Vancouver Canucks. They're moving on to the next phase of whatever this franchise is going to be. Chris Tanev, you know, he's 34 years old. 
He's signed through this season. He's a UFA after the season and could be an incredibly important last piece of the puzzle defensively for a contending team. Or, you know, there have been some there's been some talk that the Ottawa Senators or a team like that could be in the market for Chris Tandev, maybe doing that acquire the UFA before UFA season to then keep him around for next season and and seasons after that. Uh, he makes four point five or after uh, on the, under the cap uh, for the Flames. They've not retained salary on any other move this year so far. I don't think so. Uh, they could retain a little bit, get a little bit more for him. But I definitely think Chris Tandev will not be a Calgary Flame after the trade deadline. I'm going to go completely off the board and maybe the goaltender uh, in Calgary or two, who knows, Woo! might be involved in this. I'm going to say at least three goaltenders will be moved at the trade deadline. This I is like going it. to be a goalie heavy trade deadline. We're going to see there. Look, let's be honest. There are a lot of teams that could use an upgrade in goaltending, a lot of playoff teams that could use an upgrade between the pipes. And there are a lot of goaltenders out there that people are probably already fielding calls, taking calls, etc. So based on the market, based on the supply and demand, the NHL goaltender economics, that's what I'm saying. At least three. That's my over-under. It's a safe bet, man. It's a safe bet. I mean, you think about the Kings, the Devils, Leafs maybe. Like, There's a ton of teams that could certainly use that extra body in the crease and kind of do it like Vegas did and hope that one of those guys gets out at the right time like they did last year. So I agree with you, man. I think it's going to be a pretty hot goalie market. One bold prediction. All right, my bold prediction is that the Winnipeg Jets made the Western Conference Final. I, I, I'm a believer in the Jets. I, I love the Monaghan trade. I think that really is a nice piece and, and a way to address the uh, deficit they had at second-line center after the Dubois trade last year. Good guy, great story, good vibes. Sometimes it's about vibes, Arda. Uh, but more than that, they're just like one of the stoutest defensive teams that we have in the league this year in front of what I think is the best goal in the league in, in Connor Hellebuck. That alone is going to give them the bedrock uh, on which they can try to maybe win a couple rounds in the West. I, I say they make the Western Conference Final. They may not win uh, against whoever comes out of the Pacific, but uh, the Jets are for real, man. They're They're a real good hockey team. Let me riff on that. The Winnipeg Jets make the Western Conference Final and they get stopped by... The Vancouver Canucks, who no! the Stanley Cup final, and they will meet the Boston Bruins Whoa! in a rematch of 2011. What wish will happen to the city of Vancouver if that were to happen? What is going to happen, man? <laughs> what will the citizens of Vancouver do? Oh, I think it'll be the complete opposite. Instead of burning the city down, they will douse it with champagne, undoubtedly. Because I think, <laughs> I think, I think, if the Canucks and, and Bruins play in, a, in the Stanley Cup final, the Canucks are going to win the Stanley Cup. But, uh, but to do that, Arda, they're going to have to beat the Juggernaut Oilers, my Stanley Cup pick. So I don't believe that your fantasy will come to fruition. There it is. Uh, let us know in the comments, by the way. We're trying to get a little bit more active in the YouTube comments, so feel free to uh, chirp us, agree with us. Whatever comes to mind, we will be there to continue the conversation along. That about does it for us here on this edition of The Drop. Every Tuesday, Friday, don't forget, wherever you get your audio podcasts as well, the NHL on ESPN YouTube. Should we officially change our name to the Tortured Hockey Fan Department? <laughs> Only if we want to get back at an ex. That's, you know, Taylor <laughs> dropped the name of the album. Everybody assumed it was she was entering her literary era. But no, it's it's a reference to her ex, which is beautiful. And a group chat, right? Is that what that yeah, is? And a, like and a group chat, chat with, with Paul Mescal. Again, like never underestimate what an assassin this person is when it comes to previous relationships. Yeah. I love it. That's why I love her.
not a chance I want to mess with the Swifties ever. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Take care. <laughs>